Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, uh, is is this on? Is this my Starlog? <laughs> Captain Starlog. Captain Star... Isn't that... Starlog's a magazine, right? Yeah. <laughs> I keep thinking he's, like, reading the new issue of Starlog every time he talks about it. But, yeah, hey, folks. Nice to be back. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's nice to have the regular viewing of a Star Trek episode and then mm-hmm. our regular chats about it. Our fireside chats. <laughs> Not really. Our our holographic fireside chat to make it futuristic in 23rd century or whatever it is. 24th. 24th? Well, I don't know. Uh, yeah. You ready to talk about Star Trek Enterprise? Oh, you know I am. I'm going to energize to talk about Enterprise. <laughs> uh, yeah, Star Trek Enterprise, Season 1, Episode 3, Fight or Flight. Original air date, October 3rd, 2001. Uh, what was I doing on October 3rd, 2001? Hmm. Let me see. We're going to travel back through time, folks. Uh, I was still in college and probably writing a paper or reading a book or something. <laughs> I think it was, um, well, it was, uh, let's see. Oh, oh, here's one that will, uh, here. Oh, okay. So here's a couple of things. Uh, the original iPod was first launched hmm. October 23rd, 2001. Uh, so. This episode aired just a couple weeks before that, which at the time was like Star Trek technology. Yeah. Or or at least really fancy Apple technology. Uh, and Microsoft released Windows XP. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that was a, that was a pretty big month, actually, uh, for in the technology world. What was uh, going on at PSM at this time? Oh, man. Video games in 2001. Uh, well, I want to say that was... Uh, PlayStation 2 era, um, that would have been, so October 2000 was PS2, so, uh, that would have been a year after, uh, the PlayStation 2 launched. Um, uh, you know what? I'm gonna use the Wayback Machine and get an (laughs) idea of what was going on. Computer. Computer. Oh, you know what? It was, um... Well, again, it was not quite so cool as this week in 2001, but uh, Grand Theft Auto 3 came out October 2001. Um, So that was a pretty big, big deal. Um, Let's see what other games came out. Conker's Bad Fur Day. (laughs) So this was what, what did we say? This was um, early October. Oh, no, it was early October uh, 2001. Uh, the original Devil May Cry was released. Ooh. So that was pretty cool. So we had uh, Devil May Cry, um, the PS2 version of Time Crisis 2, and we had uh, Tony Hawk 3 and Grand Theft Auto 3. So a pretty big month for video games. So that's what we were playing. So in the PSM offices around this time, uh, we would have been playing uh, the original Devil May Cry probably... Would have already have reviewed the game by now. So, and uh, in more recent events, I went to a Star Trek convention this weekend. What? Yeah. Tell us more. Uh, it was called Star Trek Seattle, even though I'm not in Seattle. Yeah, but it's right next door. Um, right? Ish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
ish. Um, yeah, it's an official part of the official Star Trek convention uh, scene put on by Creation Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I saw Jerry Ryan speak. I went to her panel. That's awesome. And, Was she dressed like seven of nine? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, there were quite a bit of cosplayers. People dressed up in Federation uniforms and a couple Klingons. Um, a couple? Only a couple? Only this a couple. Is like, this is like the Seattle Star Trek convention, and there are only a couple of Klingons. I wonder if they're going out of style. Yeah, there's. I mean, there's a lot of Starfleet personnel of yeah. all timelines. I think that's a... I mean, definitely compared to something like Klingons that requires makeup, the Starfleet, unless it's a Starfleet, it's not just a straight up human Starfleet officer. It probably doesn't require any makeup. It's just, you need a Starfleet uniform. Exactly. And who doesn't have one of those? Am I right? (laughs) Yeah. I saw some people wearing uh, the Enterprise jumpsuits, which was neat to see. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, I also went to the John Billingsley panel. Okay. He plays Dr. Phlox. Oh, cool. And he is hilarious. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I've seen him actually in some comedy, uh, you know, some shows and movies that have been, you know, comedic in nature. And I thought he was really funny. So what yeah. did he, what did old Phlox get up to? Uh, he was just really animated and he was just making all kinds of jokes and callbacks to jokes. And yeah, it was just really a fun panel. Mm hmm. Uh, the Jerry Ryan panel was entertaining as well, but kind of in a different way. It was more uh, enlightening about, you know, the world of Voyager and a little bit behind the scenes stuff. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the the John Billingsley panel was, like, not at all Star Trek. It was just him kind of being crazy. and Like telling anecdotes from his career and stuff like that? Or yeah, just yeah. Kind of, and just kind of chopping it up with people? Exactly. And the uh, actor who played Mayweather was also there. Oh, and they were they had a little bit at the beginning, and and then he left. <laughs> he took off. He went back to space where you know he grew up. Yeah, you as, know. as we're learning. <laughs> but yeah, it was really cool. It was it was uh, it was a neat time, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, as, as I'm re-immersing myself in the world of Star Trek, it is good to you know go to that sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my first and only Star Trek convention was in, it was a big one that they have every, I guess every year. I don't know if they still do in Pasadena and in Southern California. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, it was awesome. I mean, I, well, I'd definitely be up for going to another, uh, Star Trek con again. Uh, that one was, I mean, that was during the era of, I, I might have, we might have even talked about it on the, the cast before, but basically it was right when, um, Voyager was premiering and Kate Mulgrew was doing her first mm. convention appearance. Right, right. Uh, after, you know, being cast. And I think it might have been before the premiere of Voyager. So people hadn't even really seen her as Janeway yet. And so she was kind of talking about what people could expect and what it was like working on this franchise. Um, a lot of people were there. Um, speaking of funny guys, uh, Michael Dorn, uh, Worf was there and he was hilarious. Um, and I've heard that pretty much he's just hilarious in general. So, um, Michael Dorn was there. I got to see Shatner, uh, got to see Sulu, um, uh, George Decay. <laughs> I know his name isn't Mr. <laughs> Sulu. Got to see Sulu, got to see, you know, a lot of, uh, original, original series people who are no longer with us. So. 
that was it was awesome and i there were i don't know if it's like a seattle los angeles thing but there were a lot of klingons at that <laughs> maybe klingons were just bigger back then i mean i'm talking about this was in the i guess it would have been in the early 90s mm. um because you know voyager was mid 90s right so early to mid 90s yeah so uh, things have changed clearly uh i'll say this the uh convention itself was pretty small huh. uh and the dealer room was pathetically small huh but um the panels were great there was a next generation reunion panel mm-hmm. uh but it was like after hours and i had something else to go to so oh wow I didn't who, get chances do, do you know who was at that panel uh it was um jonathan frakes marina Ooh. sirtis uh uh brent spiner uh, michael dorn i believe that's awesome um is Jordy there? No. Ah. Denise Crosby and John Delancey, I believe. Oh, that's awesome. That's still a pretty huge chunk yeah. of that cast. So. Yeah, I would like to have gone, but like I said, I had a prior commitment. So Yeah. Um, yeah, as it turns out, there were all, they were also doing a convention in San Francisco that same weekend. Oh, shoot. So, yeah, so you missed see, it. I knew nothing. I know, right? Like, how can I be on a Star Trek podcast if I don't even, I'm not even aware of conventions around me? But, well, we had like some crazy storm this weekend. That's So true. no one made it. Yeah, that's it. It was an ion storm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and somehow you traveled back in time. It was weird. Yeah, it was, it was a sentient storm of ionic energy. Um, and it caused me to travel back in time so that I can still attend the convention. <laughs> but unfortunately, it's going to be raining again, so I'm going to have to do it a few times before I figure out the right way to get through it. Uh, but we're not talking about Voyager anymore. No, or Next Generation, which yeah. we haven't talked about, but yeah. We're talking about Enterprise. Uh, Enterprise! Yeah, like I said, Fight or Flight, original air date, October 3rd, 2001. Uh, we open on Hoshi. Uh, Hoshi is talking to a slug in sickbay. Um, yeah, she's a real downer in this episode. Uh, all the Hoshi stuff is pretty annoying, actually. Um, she's, she's taking the slug off its home world and the slug is sick. Uh, Dr. Fox promises to take care of it and jokes about how it could be food for his bat. <laughs> uh trip enters and tells flocks that he's rerouted some power to sick bay and trip walks over to hoshi and mentions that they've been out for two weeks and the only life they've encountered is this slug named uh i forget what the slug is named sluggo oh <laughs> not sluggy clever. not mr slug sluggo good old sluggo uh opening credits are uh, that great song again mm. oh at the end of the john billingsley panel they played this song and as people were walking out they said oh why are they playing this i hate this song <laughs> confirm confirmation right uh after the opening credits uh we cut to archer's ready room so paul enters uh archer hears some sort of squeaking underneath the deck plating uh, she tells Archer that they're unlikely to find inhabited worlds on their current course. Uh, she tells them that only one out of every 43,000 planets supports intelligent life. Archer can't believe that there's no one out there because they're traveling at warp five. So they should surely encounter somebody. <laughs> As they zip right past them. <laughs> going warp five. 
Uh, Hoshi enters. She says she's having trouble sleeping because she's sleeping on the, quote, wrong side of the ship. And <sighs> she wants port side quarters and wants to train, uh, wants to trade with Ensign Porter. Archer agrees. Uh, she pauses as if she's about to say something, but then leaves. In the armory, Reed and Mayweather, the dynamic duo, are running simulations to fine-tune the targeting scanners. Uh, Mayweather doesn't think that it's all that necessary because in 23 years, his folks have only run into trouble half a dozen times. But Reed wants to be prepared because they're so far away from Earth. Archer drops in, uh, literally, and wants to know <laughs> what's happening. Uh, he wants to do some target practice, which puts Reed's mind at ease. The Enterprise is firing torpedoes at some asteroids. The first shot misses. The second shot nicks an asteroid, and it ricochets back towards the Enterprise. Reed blows it up before it hits the ship, luckily. Um, Reed wants to refocus the infrared scanner, but that will take about 24 hours, or the better part of a day, he says. Mm. And Archer orders the ship to head back on course because they can't wait around that long. <laughs> we got exploring to do. How else are they going to find intelligent life? Yeah. In the mess hall, Phlox is joined by Trip. Phlox has Trip try a potato, which is resequenced protein. Uh, Phlox says that on his world, talking while eating is seen as a waste of time. Uh, Trip says they've all been wasting their time. Everyone's antsy to encounter some new alien life. Meanwhile, Flux is fascinated by the behavior of the crewmen around him. He talks about how, you know, he sees a couple and they're going to mate or something. Mm, right. Um, on the bridge, T'Pol has found something. She calls Archer and they and Trip discuss what she's seen. Uh, it's a ship that isn't moving at all, and the nearest star system is three light years away. Archer wants to check the ship out, but T'Pol continues to be a wet blanket. <laughs> that should be actually her name. It's like a, a Vulcan word, uh, wet blanket or something. Anyways. Yeah, she's a real downer. Um, I guess that's the point of Vulcans, though, because Tuvok was a real downer throughout mm -hmm. Voyager. They're Debbie Downers. They should play that womp womp yeah. sound effect whenever she says something. Um, the Enterprise flies towards this disabled ship. Uh, the ship is powered down and just floating there. Uh, Archer sends a message telling them that they're from Earth. They get no response. Trip zooms in and they see what they thought what they thought were venting ports or actually hull breaches as a result of particle weapons. Archer wants to scan for biosigns, but T'Pol warns that might be seen as a violation of privacy. Uh, there's still no response from the ship. T'Pol tells them that would be best to move on. Archer has Trip look for another hatch, and then and then has T'Pol scan for biosigns. There are a number of life forms aboard, but she says they may not be interested in visitors. Archer assembles an away team consisting of himself, Reed, and Hoshi, and gives the reins of the Enterprise to T'Pol. Uh, as Archer is walking through a hallway, Trip catches up and says he wants to tag along. He's been trying to come up with reasons why he should go, but finally admits that he just wants to explore and not sit on his butt in engineering. Hmm. 
Archer tells him that he's needed on the Enterprise. So he has to stay behind. Uh, in Archer's quarters, he is recording a star log in which he complains about T'Pol, but admits that she may be right about the aliens possibly not wanting help. Hoshi enters. Archer asks if everything went fine with the swapping quarters thing. She says yes, but she wants to stay on the ship instead of going on the away mission. Archer wants her there, however, in case the universal translator doesn't work. And he says that she should be excited. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't you think? I, I, they are on a mission of exploration. Yeah, in space. They're traveling through outer space. <laughs> getting to meet aliens. I mean, come on, kid. Uh... She says the environmental suits make her claustrophobic. <laughs> he replies that he needs her over there. He then asks if something else is bothering her. She says no and tries to leave. He says he'll accompany her and throws a piece of cheddar cheese at his dog. Uh, even though we found out earlier that in this scene that the cheddar makes the dog sick. So Okay. <laughs> that archer. In a locker room, the way team is suiting up. Uh, Reed has a wide array of weapons, but Archer tells them they'll only need the phase pistols as a precaution. Uh, the Enterprise's shuttle pod docks on the alien ship, and the three away team members try to board. Reed sees that the door is locked and suggests using microcharges. Mm. Because he really wants to use his weapons. <laughs> he loves... I had, I had noted that he loves to shoot stuff. <laughs> yeah. And apparently he also just loves to blow stuff up. Which is pretty cool. I mean, you can't fault him for that, right? Uh, But before he can do that, Archer opens the door manually, and they enter the ship. Hoshi notes that these aliens must be bipeds because they use ladders. Uh, Archer says it's a nitrogen-methane atmosphere and very cold inside the ship. It's uh, minus 20 degrees. Hmm. Uh, Reed finds what may be blood in a hallway, and when they look up, the blood is everywhere. Mm. Further in the ship, they find a hydraulic device that Archer says hasn't been there for very long. And just then, Hoshi screams. And there are bodies hung up everywhere. There are hoses in the bodies' necks, and Reed says their bodies are being flushed out, and they're all dead. Back on Enterprise, the way team catches T'Pol up on what they found. She wants to leave. Uh, Archer says there are 15 dead people on the ship, so they can't leave. And T'Pol counters that their mission was to provide assistance, but it is no longer required. Plus, the Enterprise could be put in jeopardy. Uh, so Archer orders Mayweather to go back on course at warp three. In sickbay, Phlox tells Hoshi of a damaged cargo ship orbiting his homeworld, and there were 17 bodies on the bridge alone. It was very disturbing, and he says Hoshi has nothing to be ashamed of, but she's embarrassed that she screamed. <laughs> uh, Phlox tells Hoshi about the status of the slug. Hoshi complains that she wasn't supposed to be going on missions where she saw corpses on hooks. Phlox says that she might be happier teaching at the academy. Um, she goes on this, not a rant, but she talks about how uh, she was second in her class and Archer's first choice for this job. And every inhabited world is full of language and Archer needs her there. Um, 
Phlox tells her that the slug needs to consume nutrients or it will die. And Hoshi regrets bringing the slug on board. She wants to put sl- the slug in an environment that's more suited to it. The slug is her. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> it's a metaphor. Mm. Um, in the captain's dining room, Archer, Trip, and T'Pol are eating pasta. Trip wants to talk, but Archer and T'Pol clearly don't. Uh, Trip asks Archer about the aliens, and Archer says that there were 15 dead crewmen. T'Pol tries to change the subject, saying she detected a stellar nursery on their present course, and she, she suggests a closer look would help alleviate the crew's tension. Archer snaps at her a bit because nothing bothers her, and she feels no guilt. Archer feels guilty for just leaving the people there hanging like slaughtered animals. Elsewhere on the Enterprise, Mayweather says they have reversed course as ordered. Archer wants Phlox to go on board and examine the bodies. Uh, Archer also wants Trip aboard to examine the comm system so they can find the alien's people. Uh, he wants Hoshi to compose a message. He also wants Reed to stay aboard the Enterprise and work on the targeting scanners. Uh, the Enterprise shuttle pod docks with the alien ship once again. Phlox tells Archer how the aliens were killed. Uh, elsewhere, Trip gets the comms back online, and a message begins to play, and Hoshi begins translating. Back at Archer and Phlox, Phlox is performing an autopsy. He discovers that the machine is there to collect triglobulin. It serves all sorts of purposes, medicine, vaccine, aphrodisiac. Archer compares it to stuff like rhino horns that people use for medicine on Earth. Phlox um, says that triglobulin is similar to the human's lymphatic fluid. So that's not good. No, that's 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 not gross at all. Uh, back with Trip and Hoshi. Trip is excited about being on the away mission, but Hoshi is not quite as thrilled. She tells Trip that she's going to ask Archer to take her back home. Um, she says that Archer needs a translator that he can count on, and she then sends an SOS in the alien language. Tabal calls Archer and tells them that whoever killed the crew has returned. Uh, Archer and Phlox pack up and start leaving. But before he leaves, Archer destroys the pump machine with his phase pistol. Um, uh, the a menacing alien ship drops out of warp. Uh, Tapal asks if Reed is ready. He says the scanners are still out of alignment. The away team flies back to Enterprise. Um, Archer asks if they can scan the ship, and they can't. They tried hailing, but there's no response. And the shuttle pod is hooked on the Enterprise when the enemy ship begins firing. The shuttle pod breaks free. They reattach and finally re-enter the Enterprise. Archer asks Paul why they haven't gone to warp. She responds that the port nacelle has been damaged, and Archer wants Reed to arm the torpedoes. Reed fires a torpedo. It bounces off the ship and explodes ineffectively. A second torpedo launches and is blasted out of the sky by the enemy ship's phaser beam. 
Archer asks Trip when they can leave, um, but the nacelle's been depolarized, so they're stuck for a while. The enemy ship scans Enterprise with a bioscanner. Uh, Flock says that these aliens have discovered that humans contain useful compounds. Mm. The lymphatic fluid. Um, another ship drops out of warp. It's similar to the disabled ship from earlier. Um, the aliens, which are the same species as the dead ones, hail the Enterprise, uh, having received Hoshi's distress message. Hoshi sends a message saying that the big alien ship killed the crew of the cargo ship, uh, but she's panicking because her translation probably isn't great. The big alien ship uses a tractor beam on the Enterprise. Hoshi is fumbling through translation trying to get the other ship, the other alien ship, to help them out. It doesn't work. Um, Just then, Archer tells Hoshi to send a message for the aliens to scan the pumps, which will show that it's not the Enterprise's technology. Hoshi can't get the Universal Translator to work, so he wants Hoshi to do the translating herself. She isn't confident and thinks she'll make things worse. The big alien ship starts drilling into the Enterprise's hull. Archer tells Hoshi that he and the rest of the crew need her to translate. And it's why she's there. She talks to the captain of the other ship, and she succeeds in getting him to help the Enterprise. Uh, Reed got the scanners aligned. He fires a torpedo at the big alien ship, and uh, it hits. And the uh, other alien ship fires at the big ship and finishes it off with its phasers. Captain Starlog, May 6, 2151. We learn that the aliens that help them out are called the Axanar, an androgynous species that can live over 400 years. Uh, the Enterprise makes a detour to an alien world. Uh, Hoshi and Phlox are on the surface. And Hoshi speaks to Sluggo and says that, <laughs> while it may not be exactly the same world that it came from, it will adapt and it will do just fine. And she then releases Sluggo into the wild. And that's the end of the episode. Oh, spoiler alert. Uh, the Sluggo was Hoshi. <laughs> <laughs> it, as if they hadn't uh, made it abundantly clear. <laughs> so. I did not care for this episode. Mm, nor did I. <laughs> <laughs> Well, okay. So before we started recording, I I mentioned to to Justin, I mentioned to you, Justin, that um, I was like, oh, I'm really kind of surprised at how short uh, Memory Alpha's entry on this episode was. Um, and I pointed out that that was probably because not a whole lot happened in this episode. Um, I just got to say, I really hope that Hoshi that that this is over. That this kind of this is the end of her. I'm petulant. Like <laughs> I, the the petulant Hoshi who doesn't like being in space. Uh, so why is she on this mission? And apparently, she made it sound like she's only on this mission. Um, out of what is it? Some I don't know if pride is the right word, but some sort of like. Well, I was picked first by Archer, so I've got to go on the mission, even though I don't really want to be here. Yeah. Well, she's has an internal conflict she doesn't want to be there but she also wants to see these new worlds and speak these new languages Mm, yeah so i guess it's not all like 
she's just afraid of it like tarnishing her reputation or something. <laughs> but anyway, so what did what did you think though? I just I totally hijacked the conversation. Uh, no, that's fine. Uh yeah, Hoshi is incredibly annoying <laughs> mm-hmm. uh in this yeah. episode and in the pilot. Yeah. So that's why I was saying I hope that Yeah, I, I do hope that there's been some this is like a turning point maybe right. very early for her. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I hope so too. Um, the sluggo thing was so heavy handed. Mm-hmm. Um, the other storyline with the, uh, aliens and stuff, uh, was pretty interesting. Yeah. I mean, to me, it felt like I would describe this episode as very bare bones. Yes. Um, it, it wasn't the most nuanced scenario it wasn't like you know when you have something like i guess kind of going i mean since we have just been talking about voyager for you know the first season it's for instance there was the emanations where the crew you know uh they they are involved with well actually it's just um it's just instant chem uh, gets kind of transported to that planet where they think that they're going to the next emanation. And so it's this whole weird kind of, you know, metaphysical, like deep kind of thing. Like, oh, is there really an afterlife? And, you know, what does this mean? And how do they deal with this first contact situation? Uh, whereas this was kind of like, they find a ship adrift. Okay. Um, they go on board. They're dead people. <laughs> Bad guys show up. You know, good guys show up. Yeah, I mean, we don't know anything about these bad guys either. No, they never even show them. We just, we do know that, I I think they said something like, you know, we've made a, we've made a friend today, or we've made, you know, an ally today Mm -hmm. in the, in the, uh, the aliens that help them. The Axanar. The Axanar, right. But. Uh, they use a lot of Axe body spray, apparently. Uh, no, but it, that's how they live 400 years. But that's also why they're androgynous. But anyways, uh, they say, you know, we've made an ally today, but they've also made an enemy. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I mean, these bad aliens were farming the bodies of these others. and Yeah, so they're clearly not friendly aliens. And the Enterprise was just, you know although not exactly directly involved in one of their ships being destroyed. So we'll see if that goes anywhere. Right. Um, I don't know. It felt, I don't know necessarily cheap, but it it was kind of like, Oh, and these aliens are enemies of humans too, because humans have similar fluids. Yeah. They just want our bodily fluids. Apparently. Yeah. It wasn't well, just like, oh, they're attacking us because we helped or we tried to help mm-hmm. the Axanar. It's like they're attacking us because we have something that they want. Yeah, I mean, there were a lot of kind of assumptions made, I think. I mean, Dr. Phlox, I mean, maybe he knows more than, than we were told as the viewers. But, you know, he just kind of states like, oh, well, it's probably because humans have adrenal fluid. So it's similar to this other stuff. The global globulin or whatever they were trying globulin. Are they trying to create a hobgoblin? <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but you know. And then I guess they they did realize that this was the ship that installed the pumps and you know presumably killed these people because they their ship was giving off the same sort of energy readings as the pumps. So at least they you know I was concerned for a minute that they're gonna you know go to war with an alien species that had nothing to do with. <laughs> you know the deaths of these other aliens so um 
Yeah, I think so. It's worth talking a bit about uh, Captain Archer. Yes. Um, for one, I think I was like concerned. Like, is he going kind of space mad with his squeak through <laughs> the squeak thing? Where yeah. He's like literally getting down on the floor and listening. Yeah, and he's like, I'm gonna have to tear up the floor. They <laughs> never like, followed up on that. No. Uh, no. Yeah. I, again, they're showing the clash between Archer and T'Pol. Mm-hmm. Um. And it's kind of interesting. I don't know how you feel about this, but having seen, um, see, I never got the sense that in the original series that Kirk and Spock were at odds that much. It was much more like Kirk and McCoy were, you know, they kind of, you know, McCoy definitely didn't like Spock uh, at first, at least. Um, I never fully, I think, liked him. But so watching the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, um, especially, you know, obviously the first one, you had... You know, there's Kirk and Spock are basically the main characters. And you've got, you know, this kind of standoffish rivalry between the two of them. And then it ends up, you know, they become great friends, right? So we've seen that, but it's that's more recent. But I'm wondering if that's kind of the direction they're trying to go with Archer and Paul. Like, they kind of can't stand each other, but they're going to become friends over the course of the series or whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's the typical exchange of gifts between two characters mm-hmm. where T'Pol becomes more human and, uh, you know, Archer sees the strength and logic sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how I feel. Actually, I guess I kind of do know how I feel about the 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 whole Archer's, like, the the goody goody guy who's like we're humans we don't just leave you know deceased crewmen behind on their ship we got to go back they've got to get a proper burial you know or we we can't just you know we can't just leave this alone that's not the way humans do it you know what i mean right. like i don't know maybe i'm just Maybe it's just kind of grating on me specifically for some reason. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, I, Archer I definitely... seems to rub you the wrong way. It... Yeah, I just, I really hope. I mean, I got to state this again. I really, really like Scott Bakula. You know, I've seen him in a lot of things. Um, you know, I was a huge fan. I mean, albeit I was pretty young when it was on, but you know, I was a big fan of Quantum Leap. Uh, I thought he was great on that. I think he's a really funny guy. I think he's, you know, really. I've seen him in some serious stuff though too. Um, so, oh, and I also, he was, uh, the dad on Chuck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm sure a lot of people out there have probably seen Chuck. So, um, uh, you know, I've seen him in a lot of different roles and, and for some reason in this one, it's just, it's almost like when, I don't know if you, you ever watched the footage of the captain before Janeway on Enterprise. It was there for like a day. No, I haven't. Um, okay. So, you know, uh, Kate Mulgrew wasn't originally Captain Janeway. Um, there was a different. Uh, a French actor right. in that role who I think kind of famously quit after I think a day or a week or something. Um, and if you ever go and watch some of the footage that was shot with her, that's on YouTube, uh, there's, you're just like, you know, maybe it's because you're so used to Janeway, but when you see her in the role, you're just kind of like, ah, there's just something wrong about this. <laughs> like she just doesn't have that kind of the right kind of, something to the captainness about her and i think i i don't want to say the the same thing about archer i think he could be a cool character and like a worthy kind of captain figure but i i just feel like he has to cut out the whole like goody goody like 
we're out here to explore. Let's go. Let's roll. <laughs> you know, kind of like weird America in space <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, uh, I wish Trip did more. Uh, mm-hmm. Trip is a much more interesting character. Um, and I actually was interested by Reed in this mm-hmm. episode, but again, he hasn't had much development either. Yeah. I, w- I would say right now I, I like Reed a lot. Um, I think Mayweather's fine, you know, um, and I like, uh, Trip a lot and I like Phlox a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Archer just kind of in this weird area and, and you'd think it'd be that kind of thing where you're like, oh, Captain Kirk, Captain Picard, you know, Captain Janeway, you know, Cisco. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these are the like, people I'm just like, oh, you, you know why they're in charge, you know? And in this case, it's just kind of like, yeah, cause he's the guy that's like, let's go, let's go <laughs> out there. Let's go. You know, we've got faith of the heart <laughs> kind of thing. And, um, uh, and then, you know, to Paul, I mean, it's kind of, she's, I think she's supposed to be kind of annoying. Yeah. I mean, but then Hoshi, that's... oh, come on. Yeah, Hoshi is just straight oh. up annoying. But to Paul, I mean, that's her role is to be, you know, kind of the the Klingon with the stick somewhere. <laughs> yeah, she's she's just kind of like the, you know, typical Vulcan who presents a, a differing side mm-hmm. to, uh, yeah, you know. But yeah, Hoshi is just kind of like, well, again, this whole episode was about her accepting her current role and adapting. As she says, so maybe this whole like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Oh, I don't want to be here. Uh, maybe all that is done after this. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully I that's hope so. all after done. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely, I'm not, you know, I've still got faith of the heart. <laughs> I'm not giving up yet. You know, I'm not gonna give up, but um, I, I have faith that the show can be good. It's just, you know, after what I thought was a pretty good pilot, you know, and you know, like we were talking about it, you know, potentially being the best pilot of a Trek series um, to go to this episode. It was a little like, whoa, you know, what happened here? <laughs> Are they like they expended all their energy on the pilot and now they're just kind of going to do this. Um, it's interesting. I was looking at on Memory Alpha, the kind of the reception of this episode. Apparently it was, you know, a lot of kind of Trek fan publications had actually said this was one of the best episodes of the season so i'm really kind of (laughs) hoping that you know now in in with whatever our you know year 2014 kind of sci-fi sensibilities we'll find something to like about the other episodes too yeah um i i mean this episode served its purpose in showing how Archer deals with situations and how T'Pol deals with situations and how Archer has to go with his gut, has to go with his emotions. Mm-hmm. Whereas T'Pol is driven uh, entirely by logic and, you know, how, how Archer is going to do his own thing. And then how Hoshi is going to deal with her situation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, like I said, hopefully this is the end of Hoshi being this character that i don't want to watch (laughs) right you're just like oh my gosh she's back yeah she's back why why yeah i really i i'm I'm hoping and i'm I'm guessing that we will see more of trip and and reed and the other characters in in season one um and i do you made a good point about 
Archer and the way he acts, um, it does seem to be very intentional. And I mean, obviously it's all intentional because it's, you know, scripted, (laughs) but these aren't real people, I guess, or I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, but, uh, the way he acts is, is very much the polar opposite of T'Pol. Like T'Pol's all logic, all rational thought, all, you know, uh, kind of what's the most efficient way to do things, uh, what makes the most sense. And Archer is just about his heart. He's just about like his gut and his heart and how he feels and mm-hmm. what he thinks is right, not versus what should, what they really should do. Right. So, and so it, it makes sense in that, in that aspect, in that respect. They, they have to balance each other out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the dynamic between those two. Um, yeah. I mean, again, going back to Hoshi, sorry, but yeah, when you have a character that doesn't want to be on the show, essentially, it's like, <laughs> exactly. well, then leave because yeah. I want to watch a show where the people want to be there. Yeah. So that's why it's great to see Trip because he's like, oh, man, I can't wait to see this alien ship. What were, what were the aliens like? Yeah. Yet he's not being asked to go on the away <laughs> mission. Yeah. Yeah. More of that, please. I mean, that's one thing I will say about Archer is that he's super excited. Yeah. About everything. So that's pretty cool. So it's in a respect, you know, it, it makes sense that he and Trip are friends because they're very much like they're both super excited about this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, you know, that that's interesting. It's like Trip is super excited about it. Um, Reed's pretty excited. Mayweather's pretty excited. Um, Flocks in his own way for his own reasons is really excited. Like he wants to, you know, he's, as much as Toshi, as Toshi, as much as Hoshi says that she's excited to, you know, uh, interact with new alien life and, and learn their languages, um, uh, Flox is super excited to discover new alien life and kind of dissect it. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like they, they have those similar qualities, but, you know, unlike Hoshi, Fox isn't like, I don't want to be on the spaceship. No, I mean, he's excited to be around humans and observing human mm-hmm. behavior. And he's like, whatever. The spaceship, whatever. He, yeah, I mean, Everyone he's else fascinated is much by like, things yeah. like potatoes. You know? Yeah, he's like, I'm on a spaceship. Awesome. And everyone else. And Mayweather's like, I was born on a spaceship. <laughs> and this is still awesome. <laughs> and even though Archer's like, my spaceship's squeaky, he's excited to be on a spaceship. Yeah, I don't know what's up with the squeaking, though. <laughs> Well, we find out what's squeaking. Maybe it's like a bigger plot point. It could be, I guess. Maybe the big, you know, the big bad, the big uh, villain of the season will be living under his <laughs> his quarters in the floorboards. So. I mean, you would think that Paul would have said something. She's got Vulcan hearing. She, you know, it's like uh, Captain Archer. I don't hear that. Well, maybe and Archer I have really is sense going. Of smell and. Maybe Archer really is going crazy. Or maybe um, maybe it was just Porthos messing with him. Porthos <laughs> is like, I want some more cheddar, damn it. Yeah. Whenever he freaks out like this, he gives me cheddar. <laughs> so I'm going to leave my squeaky toy under the floor. Yeah. Anyways, I'm uh, still, uh, you know, undeterred, excited to see what happens next episode. Yeah. Uh, next episode uh, is Strange New World. Ooh. See, that's... A title that I hope they deliver on. Do you think they'll encounter new life and new civilizations? Maybe. Maybe. Well, I have encountered a sluggo. <laughs> That's true. Although the and sluggo looked exactly like a earth slug. 
Yeah, like a banana slug. He looked like um, Slurms McKenzie from Futurama, for those <laughs> who have seen it, only much, much smaller and without an outrageous Hawaiian t-shirt. Yeah, so not really like Slurms. Maybe they'll find a planet they can leave Hoshi on. <laughs> no, look, Hoshi's turned, she's realized, you know, where she stands and why she w- wants to be there. Hmm. So, yeah, so maybe from now on, Hoshi will be fine. She'll hmm. be ex- as excited as everyone else. Oh, one, one one last comment real quick before I forget. I thought it was pretty cool that uh, they had those environment suits. That they basically, you know, had to wear spacesuits to go into a different environment. It made the, the alien ship, to me, seem a lot more alien. Because, mm-hmm. like you said, it was freezing cold. The ox- or the atmosphere was not breathable by humans. Um, and I was always surprised that we didn't see more of that on Star Trek. It's like, oh, wait. All of the aliens they encounter... <laughs> They, their ships just support human life too. Well, that's just probably unlikely, <laughs> especially when there's only there's uh, intelligent life on only one of every forty three thousand worlds. So, anyways, but I guess next episode we're gonna f- see a strange new world. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Yep. See you then, folks. 